0: Hello, I'm Jack Russell and I'd like to share with you in this episode the concept of being in a really positive team. I'm joined today by a very special young man who's a great team player, Buzz Russell. Over to you, Buzz. Hello, great to be here. What is your experience of teams? Well, I suppose... Experience starts often when we're when we're young, when we are um, at school. And I remember being in teams. Um, some of them I love being in; others I kind of found it hard to be in. It's quite complex being in a really positive team. You've got to have the right people. You've got to to have the good. Communication. You've got to have good leadership. Teams have got to have roles, responsibilities. People have got to respect each other. There's so much that that goes into making a great team. But um, in the last few years, I've been really fortunate enough to work with some really high-performing teams. I've managed to work with um, helping select air ambulance crews. I've worked with the military, working with police. I worked with Olympic athletes, and was fortunate enough to work and sponsor. Um, the British rafting team, as they went to New Zealand in those world championships. I worked with Formula One teams, but probably the most challenging team I've ever worked with was going to the North Pole, which was, dare I say, a little bit of a dysfunctional team, probably more of a group, a collection of individuals. So I've watched thousands upon thousands of teams work, and I'd like to share with you some of those concepts, how to do it well, and perhaps how to improve performance. Buzz? You often talk about the bus. Tell me more. So uh, I suppose there's a lovely analogy of the bus. And there are probably five people on the bus. And the first person at the front of the bus is the pilot. And he or she is responsible for setting the direction, um, for driving. They've got to maintain... A sense of responsibility. They've got to be accountable to the people that are behind them on the bus. They've got to keep safety in mind. They're responsible for um, being in the right direction, staying awake, not drinking. And therefore, the pilot of any team or of any organization has got to be able to do all of those things. Behind them sits the participant. And the participant is, if you like, the co-pilot. They're the pilot's number two. They help read the map um, they help keep the pilot awake. They're prepared to step in and um, drive if the pilot needs a rest. And he or she is very much a positive participant. They're fully engaged in the whole process. And behind them sits the passenger. Now, often the is pretty neutral. They're just there along for the ride. They give purpose for the bus journey. They give uh, reason for the driver of the pilot. But the thing about the passenger is they can be swayed towards the back of the bus or the front of the bus, depending on where their influence is and how they can be influenced. So behind them sits probably one of the most challenging people in any team, and that is the prisoner. Now, the prisoner sits there. They've got the golden handcuffs. They probably want to get off the bus, but they can't. They're the sort of characters in any team that can contaminate or, if you like, affect other people. They can pull the passenger to the back of the bus by, by complaining and, and being a mood hoover or energy thief. And then behind them sits the protester, the person at the very back of the bus. And We've all met those characters. And many people find protesters quite difficult. But actually, I think protesters can be some of the most powerful people to influence change. The tendency is we don't want to listen to the protesters. But good pilots Good participants need to go to the back of the bus and really listen to what the uh, protesters are saying. Because they might have a really good point being able to speak truth to power. You know, we're going in the wrong direction. We need to go a different way. We've got the wrong pilot. We've got the wrong fuel on the bus. So all of those characters we can step into at any time. So I'd like to ask you to think about, first of all, where you live on that bus are you a pilot are you a participant a passenger a prisoner or a protester and think about the people that you work within your teams who's who and what can we do to get people to the front of the bus is there a difference between a group and a team there is, I think. I often think that people, they tell me on courses, they say, we went really well as a group. And I say, yeah, you did. A collection of individuals. I think group often are a collection of individuals. They have a common interest. They may have a similar purpose, but often what they don't have is great leadership. They don't have necessarily roles and responsibilities. They don't always have a vision. They don't always have a set of values. And it's a An interesting thing, if you ever think about a band, they often call themselves a group. They never say we're a rock team, we're a group. And as we all know, most bands as groups often break up because they are a collection of individuals. I think with team comes a definite purpose. There's great leadership, there's responsibilities and roles. You know, people know where they're going. And often, you know, there's great communication I often think of, um, of families being more like groups when it comes to a Christmas. Everyone has their different ideas and it's often hard for somebody to stand up and take the lead, say, in a Christmas family do. So I think there is. And I think there's a need for both. I think we often need to be in a group or a team, but there's a very different feeling. What makes a great team? I think there are many components that that make a great team, but... But I think it's having a real blend of different personality types. I think it's amazing to have different skills and different knowledges and and different attributes. I think diversity is, is, is really powerful. A lot of people employ people in their own likeness, and that's a real danger. I think to employ real diverse characters that are on the bus, but are prepared to challenge... I think what also makes you know, a great team is to have great leadership. You know, I think it's, it's, it's one thing to have great people, but they need a purpose. They need to know where they're going. They need to have, you know, vision. They need to understand what their mission is, what their reason for being is. And when you can galvanize people to go in the same direction and not swim against the, the current, that's when you have great teams. But it's complex to get the right people And I think it takes a little bit of psychology to, you know, really understand different personality types and then bring those people in so that they've got different skill sets and they can be challenged and challenged in different ways. Where do teams go wrong? So I I think teams often go wrong when when they get complacent. There's a lovely concept of of a sigmoid curve and if you can imagine that every time a team comes together they they often form it's quite a comfortable position when a team forms or or comes together there's a lot of politeness and and a lot of looking after people and people often don't want to be challenged or challenged too much but i think when teams really get to know each other and there is a real friction and there's and there's a difficult rub in a team that's often when teams will storm you know, it will become uncomfortable, as fallouts. You know, people stop treating people as well as they could do. You will then find that a team will, will level out. Things will always come back, back and, and, and get back on the norm. And then think of the top of the sigmoid curve. When a team does really well, and remember, the smallest team is two people, the teams will start to perform. And it's fantastic when teams perform really well, but there is a worry When a team performs really well, what can often happen is they get complacent and they start to relax and they start to think everything's, you know, great. I've had a few friends that have been on Everest and they say, you know, you get to the top of Everest, you put the flag in and you think, oh, I've done it and you can relax. But actually the most dangerous part is getting down and there are only two ways and they're both down. And the point is here is that if teams can not quite get to the top, they can't, peak they're then into constant improvement and the japanese call it kaizen where you're thinking about what can we do to change to improve and therefore i think you know never quite thinking you're there is a great thing for a team to be because you're looking at improving (laughs) what often happens is that is that people leave teams we have churn people mourn people so you do get that kind of forming storming norming performing and then mourning of people where people get so good they relax think about um any amazing in you know, a sporting team think about what happens when they get to the top that's when they relax i think it's always brilliant never to relax when you're at the top because somebody else is coming up behind you and they want it even more how do you choose the right people for a team so i mentioned earlier that it's easy to prescribe from your own autobiography and think you know I love, say, extroverts or introverts. And by the way, no one is an introvert or an extrovert, but somebody has a preference for those. And you might just think, well, I find it really difficult those people who have a preference for extroversion. So I'll employ people who are more introverted. Well, that's great. But I think we need to have a real blend of personality types. And one of the things that I've been working with in the last uh, 15 years is insights discovery and... The concept there is based on, on the psychology of Carl Jung. And Jung talked about four personality types um, those people who led with perhaps fiery red, who, who were extroverted and, and thinking, who want to make things happen and get to the point and drive things. And, you know, there are people in the teams that want to do things now and, and uh, it has to be done, you know, with pace. And their opposites, their polar opposites, are Earth Green introverted and, and feeling and those characters who lead with green might just want to slow things down they want to focus more on grace and um, they want a more relaxed easier time they don't want to push things they want to make sure there's harmony they want to make sure that they support and look after people and then you can see people who lead with sunshine yellow they are extroverted and feeling you know they're in the room because they tell you they're there. They're dynamic, they're positive, they are enthusiastic, they speak a lot. There's constant storytelling. Their opposites are the cool blues. They are introverted and feeling, and introverted and thinking. They're like the facts and the figures and the detail and the analysis. When will it happen? Why are we doing it? Is it correct? And actually, we all have all of those four colours in each of our personality, and that's our recipe that we bring to life. But I work so many times with teams, and I saw it this morning, a team, a senior team who all led with Earth Green, a team I'm working with tomorrow who who actually majority of that that senior team all live with Fiery Red as the first colour. And I think having a real blend and a real mixture of different personalities means that we get a really rounded team. <laughs> I suppose it's a bit glib to say a team of 25% of each of those quadrants would be perfect. But I can imagine if most teams applied just a little bit of psychology and had 25% of fiery red, sunshine, yellow, earth, green, and cool blue, I wonder how those teams would be able to deal with challenges. Too many times the top of organizations. I see too many people are too similar. Look at any political organization. Most of the time, they're the same people and they're almost mirroring each other. We need diversity. We need to have different people to challenge people. Some of those protesters at the back of the bus, they bring diversity. So, Buzz, I'm just gonna ask you to tell me what you think about being in a team. What have you noticed in the past about being in a team? I think depending on who's in the team, a team can be a really good place to be because you can accomplish things which you couldn't do on your own, and you can set goals for the team, which you can then later do. I think you're right. And I think that's, that's the beauty of, of a team. You know, with a collection of people and the right people on the team, think so much more can be, be accomplished rather than, you know, people are being out there as individuals. Being a sole player is okay, but, you know, we need people. You think about any, any team, we just need good people around. So some of the things that I really love to to think about are great communication within teams, being able to be goal-orientated, to make sure that everyone has the ability to contribute and everyone feels that they can commit to where they're going, to be able to support people in a team, to have good diversity, as I've mentioned already, to have really good leadership, and through that comes coaching, But above all, great teams, I think, have humour and fun. Thank you very much. Look forward to the next one. Thank you, Buzz.